What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new yeah, episode know, of I'm the Premier League podcast. Bicycle upstairs. <laughs> man, oh man! You can, you can tell that we're getting into uh, vacation mode here. My name is Sebastian yeah, Warren. We're going crazy without any proper football, or at least with you know an exceedingly smaller dose of proper football. That's true. Right. Yep, that's Elliot, and Polly's with us as well. I have a thunderstorm right now outside my door, so we'll see how that works. It's nice change up compared to the sirens we usually have, I guess. Uh, hopefully, yeah, the, my window's shut. It's odd. You know, hopefully, lightning won't stri- strike my house and power go out. So we'll, we'll see. All right, now you're making a big deal out of nothing. Oh, you know what? We had one the other day, and I legit thought that my windows were gonna pop out. I mean, Midwest thunderstorms are for real. Yeah. Man, oh man. Well, let's get into it. Uh, FA Cup final. We saw Chelsea defeat Manchester United one nothing. Paulie, what did you make of the game, and what did you make of Mourinho's comments afterwards? The game sucked. Um, I mean, that's not, that's not to say that because my team didn't get the outcome I was hoping for. That's to say because the game sucked. Um, it was, it was a horrific game of two teams that neither one of them wanted the ball. And, uh, Conte set up in his Italian way because he pretty much admitted that United were better than, than his team. Because, well, he didn't know how his team was going to react to him and because his team's on been on crap form. So I understand why Conte did it. Mourinho set up his team and decided not to attack because Chelsea have been on shit form recently. So why bother attacking? Yeah, it's unfortunate that he didn't really go after them and exploit the fact that they've been, in, you know, playing in poor form. No, because he did this. He did the most Mourinho thing ever in that he didn't try to win the cup. He didn't try at all because he needed that excuse of if he tried it. He was afraid to try and fail. So he needed that excuse for why he didn't win. So that's why after the game he sat there going, well, we didn't have Lukaku. We didn't have Lukaku. Well, you had Rashford, but you tried to build your team around how it plays when Lukaku's in there and you just said okay but we're just going to use Rashford instead which doesn't work because they're different players so if you set up the team differently to say hey these are the players that I have uh, and I'm going to put them in the best scenario and I'm going to tactically draw up a game plan that makes the players that I have at their best you could have been Chelsea instead what he did was he just played the way he normally did and then was able to blame players that he didn't have I mean, at one point, Chelsea had the ball and United were sitting back in their 4-3-3. And it's like Jesse Lingard was sitting the deepest of all the forwards. And it's like, that's not Jesse Lingard. Like, what are you doing? You know, Jesse Lingard yeah. is on no, the I mean, field because he runs around and puts pressure on people and does the dirty work and chases people down. If he's not doing that, why should you? Pl- why, why should he be on the field? You have other players that are better than yeah. him at playing the role that you asked him to play. Well, and I think that's, I mean, I think that's spot on. And there's a certain degree of, I don't know if it's irony or not. I'm, you know, I'm no literary scholar, but like there, it's funny to me because given the, the intense rivalry between Jose Mourinho and Arsene Wenger down the years and the way in which, you know, they take pock shots at one another, they seem to be totally different philosophically about how they approach the game. In some ways, their downfalls have been similar in that like Wenger's 
buy young talent and develop them philosophy ended up being bought out by the oil billions and he couldn't change with the times. And to your point, Paulie, it's just like Mourinho has this way in which he plays and he always plays that way, no matter what personnel he has. And that means that he's not maximizing their potential and they're sacrificed on the altar of his philosophy in a not totally dissimilar way from how Wenger's teams in the last few years haven't lived up to their potential as well. It just, it, it makes you wonder because it's it's what is now Mourinho going to sell, and this is the thing like the fact that he's still employed, the fact that he has lasted longer after the FA Cup final than Louis Van Gaal did after Louis Van Gaal won the FA Cup, it just shows that there's a disconnect here because what is he going to sell? He played the most bland football that you can possibly play, and his whole mantra has always been it's not about style, it's about results. Cool. You didn't get the results. Your mantra used to be you win the league all the time. You've won two league titles since you joined Real Madrid back, like, what was that, six years? No, longer than that. Eight years ago? Is that when he joined Real Madrid? Oh, let me double check. Keep talking. Well, it was, yeah, it was eight years ago won. that he was at it. All right. Well, but. all right. He won the treble eight years ago. So six years ago, let's say six, seven years ago, you've won two league titles since then. So your mantra that you win league titles, that's out the door. Your mantra that you get, res- it's not about the style of play, it's about results. That's out the door because you didn't get any results this year. And But really what, should, what it should really come down to is how he acted after the game should say a lot to United's brass. And if they want to be serious about running a football team, you can't go ahead with this man in charge. When he he threw his players under the bus again, and he, and he pretty much, you know, Marcus Rashford is one of the brightest talents to come out of England, and I'm not saying that as a United fan. I'm saying that as watching yeah. the rest of the country look at him and say, okay, calm down. He's not going to the Euros. Calm down. He's not going to the Euros. It's just, you know, he's had a good first five games with United. Then all of a sudden, they're being like, oh, we need him on the plane to go to France. And then watching him go through with England, and and uh, what was it? Big Sam said, okay, we're going we're gonna to humble him a bit in his first game in charge. And he said, we're going go to we're gonna send him to the U21s because he's not ready to really be on the senior team yet. And he has a hat trick in that game. And England immediately says, ah, you're, you've outgrown the U21s. And the whole country is behind this kid. And Mourinho just sits there and he goes, oh, well, we had no chance coming into this game because we didn't have Lukaku. Well, what does that say about Rashford? And yeah. the most telling thing is, you know, like Mourinho could sit here and spit out his resume all he wants, but that's not what makes a good manager. What makes it, especially in the modern game, what makes a good manager is, yes, you need to be tactically aware, which Mourinho is now proving to not be so tactically aware, which somehow the brass at United have not realized. Yeah. Um, he, you, need to, you need to get results. All right, like you can argue he did win two trophies, last year, though one of them was the League Cup, and because United didn't win the League Cup this year, we're not going to pretend that the League Cup matters. That's reserved (laughs) only for times when United do win it. Um, And the other one is the Europa League, which the Europa League, like, you should win the Europa League when you manage Manchester United. And here's something. Mr. Mr. I will never say Sir Alex Ferguson did anything wrong. I hold that as a slight against the fact that in 2012, Sir Alex Ferguson was in the Europa League and he didn't win it. That team should have won it without trying. And to make matters worse, Mourinho didn't win the Europa League last year because he was more talented than everybody, despite the fact that he didn't play one team that he's even 
close to their level. Like, Arsenal had to play Atletico Madrid this year. United didn't have to play anybody like that. And in the final, they built their game plan about Marouan Fellaini. Around Marouan. Like, they out-Europa-leagued the Europa League is what they did. So, you know, the results, not really there. The tactical acuteness, not really there. The number one thing, though, that makes that turns good managers into great managers is their man management. It's when, when you drop a player and the player isn't unhappy because he still feels like he's part of the team and he's playing a role. That's what great managers do when they, when they say, okay, you're not going to play this game, but the player still feels like he's contributing. And, you know, we all know that Sir Alex Ferguson was unbelievable at this. We also know that he, you know, he used to tell people before games, you're dropped. And he used to give them reasons. Some of the reasons were good. Some of them were just mind. He was playing mind games with them. Like he would, he told Nikki, Butt, like the field's too dry, can't play, you know? And Nikki, Butt was like, well, what does that mean? He used to tell Michael Carrick, you're not good until, until it starts raining. And that's why Carrick like in August and September never played. Yeah. So, but the players knew like, okay, like the manager, he still had, like he has his games written for me. Like well, I'm still and, going. And you know, I mean, I imagine that, like, I don't, I don't, I don't doubt for a second that Alex Ferguson is a football management genius. Like, that's not up for debate. But you know, those were probably somewhere between, given on the scenario, between ten to eighty percent BS. But yeah, like he made the effort to make the player feel included. And Jose Mourinho, I can't even imagine that he makes a huge effort to make his family members feel included at Christmas. <laughs> exactly, and and yeah, like you said it. It might be BS, but what it did was when like when you tell Nicky Butt like oh field's too dry and is Nick is Nicky Butt has this feeling okay like the manager knows I'm gonna you know the manager has me in his plans to play twenty to twenty five league games this year this one's not one of them but you know this one yeah. home against Newcastle isn't one of them but away to Stoke that's one of them and home against Tottenham that's another so it's. You know, all right, so I've been dropped this week, but I'm in the plans. With Mourinho, it's if you get dropped, it's, oh, well, you're not good enough. Yep. That, that's all it is. And no one gets, you know, it's like Mourinho has in his mind the, the players and everybody else doesn't get their chance to earn their time. You only get your that player's being rested or that player's injured time. You know, like... It's, it's very rare, you know, Jesse Lingard is the only player that did it this year. He burst into the team and made Mourinho, like, rethink everything. Otherwise, when Rashford plays right now, it's, well, we're resting Alexis or Lukaku's injured. Nobody actually gets their own time. So, yeah, uh, it's not surprising right now that there are reports out there that, that are saying that Mourinho faces a mutiny amongst his players. I expect all of them to walk out the door. I wouldn't be shocked if they do. I mean, I, I hope, hope they, they do. No, I, mean, I hope they do. Obviously, it wouldn't be the first time. I hope, I mean, I hope they I do, mean, and yes. I hope they can make sure that he gets fired. Because obviously, Woodward well, and the board are not in the right frame of mind here. Right. I, I, I see exactly what you're saying, Seb. The end result, though, is, okay, if Rashford and Martial walk out the door and amongst and Luke Shaw and amongst other players, if they all walk out the door and Mourinho gets fired, that's great. Then we have a new manager, but we still don't have Rashford and Martial and Luke Shaw. Well, oh, no, I mean, no, no. I'm they, saying that they, they, they all go up to Edward and be like, hey, do your job properly, you dumbass. Fire yeah. this no. imbecile. Well, but that opens yeah, up mean, a whole different can of worms. 
Well, I don't honestly, care. I you see all the, the time the that the most leverage. You see well, all the time manager the guy, lose the, the, the dressing here. room. Yeah, he well he he loses dressing rooms like most people lose keys. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, but, like, but you go ahead, Elliot. I, well, so I think that to some extent, Martial less so Rashford. Because I think that he still holds just a general reverence for the club. I mean, you know, the letter that he wrote to the citizens of Manchester this week bespeaks that. And I think that he's a little too young and, you know, maybe to his credit, realizes where he is in his career. But the person who can walk out, who has walked out the door of Old Trafford before, is Paul Pogba, right? Like, he's the huge money signing. He's going to be coming off a World Cup, so it's not like he has to play himself into the next major tournament. Like, he is the one who really, you know... I think, holds the ticket in saying, all right, it's either me or Jose Mourinho. I don't know that he's going to do that, he but should. I think he is the one who is like the like the critical pivot point. And if he, you know, if he says it's either me or Jose, it's going to be really hard to reconcile yourself with the fans if you are Edward Ward, if you choose Jose Mourinho over Paul Pogba. Yes. I do. I do agree with that. And it's been looking like it's been coming to that since February. The big issue that I would have, though, is um, is the fact that you don't want you don't want the players basically dictating the manager. You can't just have every two years the players going, "We don't like this guy anymore, get rid of him." And it, well, it's weird because players. Yeah. So it 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 said it's another thing if if Rashford says, "Look, I'm not playing under Mourinho, and there's nothing I can, and I'm not even developing under him," because that's really the criticism is he's not developing. Yeah. Um, if he says, I need to go somewhere else. And, I mean, Marcus Rashford is a Manchester boy through and through. He does not want to leave, and he will. So if he leaves, yeah. and Martial leaves, and, and Herrera leaves, and Luke Shaw leaves, if all of your players are leaving because they don't want to play for this guy, then it says a message to the team of, okay, we got to get rid of the manager. But for the, there is a difference between that happening and the players going to Ed Woodward's office and saying, you got to get rid of this guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't. I think that's that's a fair distinction to draw. And I don't know which, if either, is going to happen. But I imagine that, you know, I imagine that there are many people who were on the pitch in a Red Devils uniform at Wembley this past weekend who have had those thoughts at least cross their minds whether or not they actually will act on them. Yep, that's definitely I just, true. I, I find it weird because there are so many players who like love him and want you know Neymar just said I wanted Mourinho to come to PSG and manage and I I the the one shining light in, or the common denominator amongst all the players that love him and, and people were saying it took like John Terry and Frank Lampard a while to get over the fact that Mourinho left Chelsea the first time I guess the common denominator here is those are all first team guys that never got dropped I get it just it seems to yeah, me like that's I once yeah I think that's it it seems to me like once you get dropped from Mourinho's team like he just stops having a relationship with you because he's incapable. He looks at everybody going, how can you help me? And once he drops you, he looks at you like, well, you can't help me anymore, so why should I have a relationship with you? Pretty much, yeah. Donald Trump. <laughs> yep. Excuse me. Uh, so we should say congrats to Chelsea. I know we spoke a lot about Man United here in the first little bit, but uh, congrats to Chelsea. We'll see if this I, is... They're a whole enigma too because what, uh, what's his face? I mean, William said he doesn't want to stay if... Conte comes back, but Conte's probably going to leave. And I think it was what Gary Cahill after the game was like talking was just pretty much just like just make a freaking decision. And mm-hmm. like, like it's like there's no excitement in Chelsea. They don't even know what's going on. No, that's very true. 
Very, very true. Okay, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, it's time to talk some news as we've got some stuff going on around the league. And then we got a couple more World Cup squads announced. So uh, stick around and we'll be right back. Okay, we're back. We saw Manuel Pellegrini got appointed as the new manager of West Ham. So first West Ham manager in history that has a Premier League title to his name. And is this West Ham being delusional or is this West Ham trying to uh, live up to their potential? I mean, it's got to be the latter, right? Like, I mean, I, I think if you were to talk to a Hammer supporter and say, is Manuel Pellegrini going to pull a Ranieri and have you guys lift the tro- trophy next season? And they said, yes, that would be delusional. But, you know, what? why not? Why not appoint a an experienced manager who has proven success in the league. Granted, he's not going to have the oil billions war chest, obviously, but yeah. No, I think they see themselves as a club that's going to challenge for that, you know, seventh spot. Is this yeah, really I mean, the, um, huh? is this really is the this manager really news that you, that you led with? Yes. Cause this is done. <laughs> this is a done deal. Yeah. Have you get, been on Twitter yeah, in like well, the last we, five minutes? <laughs> no, I have not been to Twitter in the last five minutes. Well, well, I have, and Unai Emery accidentally uploaded his personal page before he should have, but we'll get to that in a minute. You um, mean you mean yeah, Avram I mean, Village Boas 2.0? Yeah. I, well, okay, yeah, but we will we will get to that in a minute. See, way to bury the lead and put a nice tease in there, Polly. Bravo. But, I mean, I think that... Manuel Pellegrini makes a lot of sense for them. And I, I mean, I would, I am, I'm not sure that I would have chosen him personally as an Arsenal supporter, as the guy I want in charge of Arsenal, but I don't think that he's a bad pick for them by any means. I just also don't know that he's got enough magic up his sleeve to turn them into a realistic top seven contender immediately. The question is, can he manage a smaller club? That's really what it comes down to. He, I mean, the guy's had a successful career. Yeah. He got the he got the tough end of the stick at City. Can he manage a smaller club? Does he know? You know, like they say, like, oh, you know, be careful because the club might be too big for you, and a big club has has different challenges. Yes, but a, a smaller club has different challenges. You know, like it, it, if you are a player, if you are a person that's worked your way up to a big, you know, like Jose Mourinho can't go to a smaller club. They have, they have different, actually he probably could, and he'd actually probably be very successful there, but that's a, his ego can't handle it. But certain people like just smaller clubs have different challenges than bigger clubs. And it's a different way of communicating with the players and a different way of getting them to buy into your message. And, and yeah, your goal might not be get 75 points and qualify for the championship for the champions league, but it still possesses its own set of challenges. You know, yeah, but like he's, you are going well. Yeah, I feel like he's done that with Villarreal and Malaga, though. Yeah, that's yeah, Spain. That, this is England, so that's another yeah. set of questions. Well, but I mean, Paulie, to your point, though, I mean, I think that it's uh, it's a fair argument, even though, well, okay, I'll cite two different managers: one whom I loathe, and one whom I have a lot of respect for. Even though I think Roy Hodgson kind of got hard done by at. Liverpool, he nonetheless is exactly that, right? Like he is, he excels at being a small club manager. So does Big Sam. I don't have as much respect for him because he. Mm, that's a different a kind bribe, of club, but though. you know, I mean, already he's still different really good kind of what club. He does. I mean, Big Sam is excels at being like even smaller than Roy Hodgson. 
Yes. I I have no problem putting Big Sam in any position inferior to, to Roy Hodgson because <laughs> I think one is an upstanding man and one is, uh, I don't know, an oversized tuna who's really good at keeping clubs from getting relegated. Yep. Yeah, we'll see. He says apparently he has a wish list. He wants about four or five signings. So uh, West Ham, once again, probably will be very active in the transfer window. And then Unai Emery, from all intents and purposes, seems to be the new manager of Arsenal, although it's not official yet. So. No, it's not, but he, I gestured to this earlier, but he, um, in addition to David Ornstein reporting, and he's, you know, he's, uh, heard him called in a podcast the other day, the Ornicle, like he, he's usually pretty uh, legit source as far as sports journalists in England go. Um, but it, the, the fact that Unai Emery actually posted an image on his personal website that said, proud to be part of the Arsenal family with the crest and his signature. And clearly like, I don't know if it was him personally, I doubt it, but somebody on his digital media team accidentally hit post when they were supposed to be working in the back of house. And, and oops, now it's more or less confirmed if it wasn't essentially already. So yeah, he's, he's going to be the Arsenal manager next. I'm just excited because your rival fans are going to go from, singing we want you to stay to Arsene Wenger to we're happy you left. And I don't think that's what you want your rival fans to do I'm, in this kind of situation. I I don't I I have so many other thoughts about this that like I can't even begin to think what Tottenham are gonna sing at Arsenal when we show up at their American football stadium. Like I have no idea what they're going to say. And I, I don't think that it's a terrible appointment. What I'm really curious about is the speaking of back of house, but not digital media back of house, but what's happening in the executive rooms at Arsenal and how, because it seems for all the world that it was Mikel Arteta. Okay. He's clearly a bright guy. He's studied under inarguably at this moment in time, the best manager in the world. He's, he's a club. It man. seems like he one seems person like, argued against him was what i heard well i don't it's well it's so there there have been a lot of different rumors but like he hasn't managed a single football match in his entire life his entire life and so i had a lot of trepidation about that appointment although i really respect him speaking of respect as a person i he seems like a great guy but i don't think he's at that point in his career another rumor in addition to one person probably ivan gazidis said no was that he was told apparently again you know this is all hearsay right but he was told apparently that he would have zero say in transfers which is both on the one hand maybe kind of makes sense given the power plays between Ivan Gazidis and Wenger in the past and also the back of house structure with you know Sven Mislin Todd and Raul Seleni but on the other hand it's kind of insane to say okay man this team but you have no say of who's in the squad, right? And so maybe Arteta did balk at that, and maybe he realized that he was kind of walking into a role that he was going to be expected to be Ivan Gazeta's yes man, and so maybe it was him who broke it off. I mean, I, I, don't, know, I don't know if or when exactly how this shipped down is going to come out, 
But one thing that is clear, regardless of precisely what happened, is that Arsenal continue their tried and true path of essentially just making it up as we freaking go along. Like, we're never we're going to sell Alexis Sanchez. Okay, maybe we'll sell him on deadline day. Oh, we didn't have time to get in Thomas Lamar. Okay, we're not going to sell Alexis Sanchez. Okay, well, maybe we'll trade him for a player that we never showed any interest in previously. Sure, that seems fine. Like, this is just the same old, we have no idea where we are, what we're doing, lost in the forest planning, which, yeah, in terms of his track record, I'm not that upset about Unai Emery coming to the Emirates. But I am upset about how, you know, Ivan Gazidis likes to talk about a new era, and it seems like same old, same old without a legend at the helm. And as much as I thought that Wenger had to go and change had to happen, I'm disconcerted by how it seems like same old old process, which is zero process at Arsenal Football Club. Trust the process. I think you should be very happy with this appointment. I mean, again, like I say, I'm fine with the man. Dude, he ne- with Sevilla, he never finished in the top four in a league that's three teams deep. He still won and, three straight Europa Leagues. Yeah, yeah, okay. like, And that's... Tell me, tell me, Paulie, that Arsenal isn't a cup team in the last few years. We have been, and that's what his, his success has been. And yeah, of course, we want to game, aim to get back into the top four. But, like, he's had success as a cup team manager... He's had success in a competition that we failed to win this year. Granted, as you said earlier, we came up against the toughest opponents in the competition and we are going to have to be in next year. I, I, I think that it's, it's a fine appointment. I'll be interested to see if he lasts more than I would be shocked if it was more than two years. But now you're, years. you're practically, I, you're what, what are you? You're the what third most successful team in English football. And you're pretty much now, and you're the third most. You're tied for the second. No, third most tied for the third most successful team in the Premier League era. But now you're pretty much turning and saying to your fans and saying we are embracing the fact that we are pretty much a cup team and we've well, hired no. a manager that's going to enable that and and be successful. We, just, at we that. have to. We have to embrace the current reality, which speaks to something that you've been saying on this show for months, even years, Paulie, is that you're going to have growing pains. And we just splashed a ton of cash on Lacazette and then immediately Yang after that. I think that we had to. I don't think it was necessarily bad that we did, but the purse strings are going to be tighter. But I tell you what, in three years, when those Tottenham supporters are singing at whoever the hell is the Arsenal manager at that point, then they are going to be paying off this huge stadium in the same way that Arsenal was five, six, seven, eight years ago. And Arsenal then are going to be in a better position financially. And then we'll see if they can really kick on and be ambitious about challenging for the title again. But I don't think that it's realistic, given those growing pains that you've been talking about, for us to expect anything above fourth place next season. Of course, we can hope for it. We always do. But fourth place is the goal. A cup is the goal. Like, if we win the Europa League and finish in fourth, then that is a win for the 2018-2019 season, by all counts. Yeah, no, I think he's a, like I said, I think he's a very good appointment. We'll see how he fares, though. I don't, I, mean, I think is... in three years, I think in three years, Tottenham fans, it's not that they're going to be paying off their stadium debt, it's just the fact that if they don't win anything next year, their manager's gone, and so are all their players. Yeah, well, Oh, that's the, there. <laughs> There's that also. Yep. 
but I can, you know, I can look at spreadsheets and understand numbers in a way that is more clear cut than trying to read the crystal ball of who's going to win what. Clearly, obviously, I finished in third this freaking year between us. Yeah. But uh, hey, they're uh, they're they're reportedly going in very hard on Christian Pulisic, which would be really a good signing for them and really a good signing for him because he needs to leave Dortmund. Yeah. Uh, our third little piece of managerial news is uh, Everton looks to appoint Marco Silva on a long-term deal. So we'll see how that shakes out. And then uh, Harry Kane was selected to be the captain of the England national team for the World Cup. Which I guess it's... Of course he was. That's fine. I, I it's, don't, you know, I don't I can, really I can care. Far more easily, I can far more... E- easily cheer for Harry Kane with the three lines on his shirts than I could find myself cheering for Christian Pulisic in a Spuds jersey. God, that would be horrible. <laughs> yeah, okay. well, the alternative is him going to Liverpool, so that would be horrible. Well, and from my perspective, that would be less terrible, obviously. So, you know, yin-yang. Yep. Okay, let's uh, move over to uh, some World Cup squad announcement. And uh, someone needs to mute their mic. Uh, Belgium. <laughs> Roberto Martinez decided not to pick uh, Raja Nangolan from Roma, although he's been in terrific form, and um, that has been the big, big head scratcher here. Uh, Nangolan then announced his retirement from the national team. Yeah, I mean it's and he's yeah he's done for Belgium now. I'm, you know. I, I have to say that I was I was talking the other day, a good buddy of mine, uh, imp- I mean, he imports other beers, like German beers as well, but the bread and butter of his business is Belgian. And I was talking to him like, yeah, you know, the Belgian national team is pretty stacked. Like, they've got all these players, and I was, I was looking at their lineup, and I thought, you know, actually, I'm kind of concerned about their chances. I mean, they, they just a couple weeks ago in – my mind were the, my dark horse to like you know not one of the true favorites to go deep into the tournament and maybe steal a win but like they've got a lot of aging players especially in defense you know Thibaut Courtois is amazing Eden Hazard is amazing but beyond that and Kevin De Bruyne is amazing as well right but yes. like Lukaku is coming off of an injury that obviously hampered United in the FA Cup final I and clearly, like there's going to be some discord in the squad immediately because of this. How much I don't know, but I'm I'm not I'm not a, I'm not as sold on Belgium as like slap down a five note and seeing them win the World Cup as I was a couple of weeks ago, having seen their full squad announcements and kind of thought a little longer about yeah okay they've got all these stars, but I'm not totally convinced that even if they're scoring two goals a game, they're not going to bleed three without. Tibor Courtois heroics every match. Yeah. I mean, they're good. They're a really good side. Uh, but I don't understand. Yeah. I really don't understand snubbing Nangolan and bringing Fellini. I'm sorry. I I just well can't yeah. can't understand that decision. I mean, and there's some personal, obviously, some personal allegiances on your part that have to do with that. But you know, nope. I feel like you could survey 99 or 100 fans and 99 of them would say, yeah, Nangolan, you should bring him instead of Fellini, no matter who they no. support. Yeah, no, I, I think I think you're probably right about that. But well, And I mean, well, he's we'll a perfect guy for something like this because he burns with such a passion and always gives 
you know, it's a cliche, but he always gives 110%. And I, yeah. and I, I just feel like he's a better footballer than Fellini. I don't care what your tactics are. Nangolan <laughs> is better than Fellini, no matter what you're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you're preaching to the choir, man. Oh, that's not true. You're in the choir. He's on your club. You're preaching to somebody who hangs out outside of the church panhandling and hears the choir sing a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's way. it's astonishing that they that Martinez did that. And, I mean, I was astonished when he was hired as the Belgian manager, too. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it is what it is. Uh, let's talk about Argentina here, lastly. And... Um, you know they they do have a lot of good players on their team here too. I mean they left off. <laughs> no kidding. They left off Icardi, who's been phenomenal for Inter. But you know when you look at the forwards that they're bringing, it's Messi, it's Dybala, it's Aguero, it's Iguain. So yeah, I under, I understand that Icardi. All of those are undroppable. <laughs> yeah, I understand that Icardi is not in the squad. Although it is a shame because he's a, such a good player. Uh, but you know, looking here, you know, goal goalkeeper situation: Romero, Caballero, and Armani. Yeah, that's not super great. But at the same time, I feel no, like they not, not they can bad. sort of make up for that throughout the rest of the side. So we'll we'll see what happens here. But Argentina definitely, if if they just don't fall into the trap of relying too heavily on Messi, I think that they can do a lot of good things here because it's yeah. easy it's easy to be like oh you know what we have the best player in the world of our team uh or, or on our team let's make sure he gets the ball all the time well and on a honestly on a much 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 lower level i think that was a similar problem that the u.s had in their failure to qualify for the world cup it was just like oh we've got this shiny toy and christian pulisic and he's lighting the world on fire we have to funnel everything through him and, like, Messi's good enough that he was able to at least save their qualification. Pulisic is not at that level. will almost certainly never be quite at that level. But, yeah, it's, it still leaves them hamstrung when they have all of this other talent around him that they're just really failing to utilize. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Uh, we'll talk more World Cup as we get closer here. We'll also talk about the... Uh... The promotion final between uh, Fulham and Aston Villa and uh, the Champions League final between Liverpool and Real Madrid later in the week. But until then, be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Norm. Paul is P. Costell. Elliot is Keats was better. Until next time, have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.